You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Welcome to this week's edition of the Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio Show on Community Radio 3CR. We acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which we transmit people-powered radio. My name's Chris and Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio. We're a show about cycling, sustainable transport and related matters coming to you from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. You're listening to Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio and Community Radio 3CR. Today I'm speaking to Nikki Page, who used to work for Radio Adelaide, and we're talking about Step Away From The Car 2.0, which was recorded at the Australian Walking and Cycling Conference uh, in 2019, and that was in Adelaide, I believe, Nikki. It was down in Port Adelaide. Port Adelaide, actually. We spoke about this in the first episode, but if people didn't hear that, can you just give an overview of what uh, the uh, Walking in Cycling Conference was like this year in Adelaide? About the fact that it was in Port Adelaide, because in the Step Away from the Car 2017 series that I made, one of the stories was about Port Adelaide Bug, which is probably wouldn't be the longest lasting in Adelaide, but boy, it's punched well above its weight and uh, done some extraordinary things, including just this year concluding the whole link-up between Port Adelaide and Adelaide, which is, I think, I don't know, about 20 k's. And one of my thrills, really, was to ride back from the conference back to the Adelaide CBD along that route. It was full of people who love cycling. One of my little highlights was... Uh, a woman sitting around in... The conference is run in a really great way, which I should plug. You get your speakers, but there's a lot of effort put into people connecting up and having breakout groups and chatting about different uh, topics. So I was in a group which involved a young designer, urban designer from a private engineering company, and she said with great pride that her... New Baby's first journey had been on a bus. So in other words, she'd taken her baby home from hospital on a bus. These were people who love to cycle, they love to walk, they love to use public transport. Actually, the theme of the conference is active transport in a changing climate. So active transport is really anything other than, you know, putting your bum in a car and starting up the engine and spewing out carbon emissions. To be amongst a group of big group of people from a wide range of backgrounds who all looked at the world that way was, was a real buzz. And there were quite a few people who were involved in 
big companies doing big projects around the world and to see that that they had that mindset was very, very uh, reassuring. So we're just going to go into one of the episodes from Step Away from the Car 2.0, which is Ride a Bike Right. Are you trapped in your car? In this series, we explore different ways to Step Away from the Car. What if you just can't ride a bike? Leanne Fleming from Ride a Bike Right is here to fix that. You've heard of horse whisperers? Well, Leanne is a bike whisperer and eager to teach kids and their parents how to talk to and listen to their bike. She'll have you riding in next to no time. Ride a Bike Right gives people freedom. The number of people who don't feel confident on a bike is, is shocking. They weren't being taught and a lot of families weren't feeling they could teach their children and a lot of children weren't being able to learn with their family. I decided this had to change. I knew I needed to get children riding and it turns out I get children, I get adults, I get anyone who wants to get back on the bike riding. It sounds that you were quite surprised at the number particularly of children who weren't as confident as you expected. It's a shame that we don't ride to school anymore. Saturdays and Sundays may not be spent on a bike. A lot of children have a very crowded curriculum outside of school. A lot of children feel as though they don't want to fail and they may not want to try to push the boundaries, but we have to teach them that pushing the boundaries is how you learn and develop and and conquer new and amazing things. I realise that a lot of children weren't getting taught correctly and they weren't learning to ride and stand up and and go over bumps and lift their bottom off their seat and all that sort of thing. And they were the fundamental skills that were really missing. So I worked out how to teach people to ride. (laughs) It's amazing that it wasn't just the children that were learning to ride. I teach the parents how to help teach their children as well. It's interesting that you were coming across children who were frightened to fail and not allowing that experimentation, you know, let's see what happens and it doesn't matter if we fall off mentality. It's funny that everyone says, let's see what happens when we fall off. The way you learn to ride is actually by not falling. You learn how to control the bike and you learn how to manoeuvre the bike. You actually need to understand what controls the bike. Momentum, speed and balance are the three things that you need. If you control those and understand them innately. But going back to the thought of children being nervous, a lot of children are nervous to try these new things. But I think it's also to do with the fact that they have to work at it. They can't just press a button and it's done. They have to work at it. They have to be able to put the effort in and it's effort. But the reward is so amazing and... They go, wow, it's so easy now. Not that I make the lesson hard, but you have to go through those hard little bits and it becomes easy. And we always go back to them. We go, remember how it started? You worked through this. You've developed, you've changed and look how easy it is. And shows them the journey of learning as well. Can you tell us a couple of examples of children that have learnt to ride from a very insecure point? So many. Sometimes it's not necessarily the children learning 
from their insecure point. It's the children learning from their family's insecure point. The parents are worried, will they ever learn to write? I do a lot of work in the space of children with additional needs, such as autism, mild physical needs as well. I think the parents are concerned that their children won't learn to write. Just recently I had a family drive over from Melbourne for a weekend, specifically for my program. These children have high needs and over the time, the progression, I break it down, really break it down for them. And the family went to the caravan park and practised and came back the next day and did it again. We got one of the boys up and riding and it was amazing. The family, the mother of these nine-year-old children, burst into tears. The change in that mother that now they can go riding. They have an activity that they can do together and riding a bike is fun. A lot of children in their lessons, they see for the first time their parents riding a bike because I get the parents riding a bike by the lessons as well. I don't mention that in the booking, but I do because the kids want to ride with their number one person and that's their parents, not the teacher. Once the kids are riding around, have learnt to ride, they're riding around with me, the kids are riding around doing loops, that sort of thing. I then roll over to the parents and I go, hey, how's that? And they're like, wow, that's amazing. And I take off my helmet, get off my bike and I hand them a new helmet and I go, hi, would you like to ride with your child? And they're like, oh, uh, okay. Some of them are like, yeah, let's do it. And some of them are like, wow, okay. And I show the parents how to ride because they haven't ridden in probably eight years, if not 28 years. But getting them and the family riding around, the children riding around with their parents is just beautiful and the parents are learning and that's showing to the child that we're all learners. It's so much fun and there's, there's always a smile on their faces. Safety and fun, what are your thoughts on this? Obviously safety is number one. We want to keep everyone safe. But the perceived risk is much higher in an activity such as cycling. And I say perceived because the children are having fun They're discovering where they can push boundaries. And you know what? When they're up and riding, they're probably going to push boundaries of, oh, I can take a hand off. And if they're not focusing in the right position or looking one way and going the other way and their hand's off the handlebar, they're probably going to come to a little bit of a wobble and a stumble. But one thing I do talk about if if that happens is I talk about, okay, so are you okay? Is the bike okay? Um, Let's see how why that happened. Where were you looking? And they go, I was looking there. And where did you want to go? I wanted to go there. And what did you do? I took my hands off the handlebar. And I was like, that's okay. So you remember we've got to talk to the bike and understand how to communicate with the bike. And they they learn how to do it safely. And they learn how you can take the bike to those next levels. What do you think Adelaide needs to do from a city planning perspective to encourage more bike riding? From a city planning perspective, even small changes such as putting bicycle parking in so many places around the city, just a couple of loops. I mean, in Sydney, the poles that have like the no standing signs, they've put in a circle on every single one of those poles that's turned that pole into a two-park bicycle spot. That's allowing lots more people to have a got a bike park right here and I don't have to leave it too far away yes I know people park too far away 
but we're trying to make the city accessible, trying to make people much more active. Other things that the city could do is perhaps do some closing downs of streets and say, Sunday afternoon we're having no vehicular traffic, but we're going to have these three streets closed to bicycle riding or walking. I certainly know there's quite a few councils that have street plays and you can apply to your council to have your local street closed off. They will help you block the street off on a particular time and coordinate it with all the houses in that street. And so the street is a play place. But even just from this perspective of what could any council do, a lot of councils are doing a lot of really great work with mobility and not just the cycling because cycling is almost the elite end of personal mobility. But we've got people with disabilities, mums and dads with prams. So many councils have inaccessible footpaths or intersections that are really horrible to cross. It just makes it awkward and we've prioritised cars. Making scramble crossings for areas and giving longer time to scramble across those areas might help get people to go, oh, it's actually easy to walk. What I'm talking about is opening up the space to consider these other groups because once a child's learned to ride, you can't tell if they've got an additional need because they're just riding around with a whole bunch of other kids having fun. Leanne Fleming is a passionate bike rider and former primary school teacher specialising in PE. You've been listening to Step Away From The Car, recorded at the 2019 Australian Walking and Cycling Conference by Suzanne Rees and Nikki Page, and produced at Radio Adelaide. Distributed across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Reckon 3CR is the best. G'day, my name is Margie Thorpe. You are listening to 3CR Community Radio 855 on your dial. You're listening to Yarra Bicycle User Group Radio and Community Radio 3CR. And I'm talking to Nikki Page about her series of uh, audio episodes or podcasts of Step Away From The Car 2.0. And Nikki, you have something to say about that episode we just played? Yes, I didn't record that one. That was Suzanne Rees who worked with me on this series. But I love that one because many years ago I was working in special education and working with teenagers who had different intellectual disabilities. And one of the things that I did was in the electives was to get those young people out on bikes and I really got a sense doing that, of them discovering the freedom of being able to get around. Most of those young people were never going to get driver's licences, so for them to have some experience of getting around independently was a great part of that work that I did way back then. God, that was in the 1980s. (laughs) That's why I like the one about um, teaching teaching young people and parents how to ride a bike right. Good way to spend your life. Good job. Very much so. 
Hello, it's Fiona Scott-Norman here, and I would just like to say congratulations. You are doing something very important right now, and you want to know what it is? You are listening to 3CR, Melbourne's most diverse and fascinating community radio station. And you know why it's important? Because diversity is important, community is important, community radio is very, very important, and you are a winner. What I learnt in doing this series, I've learnt things about making a series and as a, as a broadcaster, that's good to keep on learning new things. We set up a little studio at the conference, our own studio, so we could just pull people out and uh, I worked with a colleague and she was a much faster worker than me, so that was good. She just um, jumped straight in. That was excellent. What I learnt was that there are people that there's a good gang of people in all areas, you know, in public health and in different kinds of planning. And then there's the people like myself who've been lobbyists and advocates. But really, I'd say most of the people at this conference were people employed in some way in related areas. But I'd really highly recommend it for anybody who is who is keen. Rob Kretschmer was there telling the stories of what they've achieved on the, on the Yarrabug show, you've heard about the things that are being done in Sydney. There's so many groups in so many places. There was an extraordinary guy from Newcastle. They've got vast networks that they're working on there and uh, getting a lot of support for that to get um, off-road paths. And off-road paths, I, I still think, are the big thing, you know. Yes. I, I've survived to this age by keeping off roads. I've, painted line on a road is not enough to keep people alive, I don't think. I'm a great believer in getting routes for people off-road, good uh, continuous linked-up routes on quiet roads and completely uh, separated from traffic. I think that's the way to go. And there are plenty of other people working on that. So, you know, if you're keen and if you've got a bug in your area, get in there and get into it. And if you can get to the next... Australian Walking and Cycling Conference, then do it. It's not a very expensive conference. Not sure if they have scholarships. They have in the past. I think they do have scholarships if you get in early. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, they've got a good website. Have a good look at it and uh, find out. It's back in, it's in Adelaide again next year, I'm pretty sure. It seems to be driven from Adelaide mostly, but there are people around the country doing great stuff. And if you want to boost to your your faith in human beings and get to that conference I'd say this series is available for it to be played on any community radio station in Australia so it's entirely possible some of your listeners are involved in other stations or know other stations and the community radio network has them all sitting there ready to distribute that's why we made them was being played around the country and we're doing it right now on 3CR in Melbourne good on you so, look, I'll go into the final episode that we'll play in this series, and it's Gridlock. Are you trapped in your car? In this series, we explore different ways to step away from the car. Converting motorists into cyclists instantly decreases road congestion. Yet motorist tolerance for cyclists seems as elusive as ever. PhD candidate Nicholas Fogarty is on a mission to talk with all road users to see if there's some common ground. 
or rather, some common road for everyone. Hi, I'm Nicholas Fogarty. I'm a PhD candidate at the University of Sydney. I'm a research assistant for Pedaling for Change. Pedaling for Change is an Australian Research Council funded project. It's run across three different universities, University of Wollongong, University of Sydney and University of Canberra, looking at traffic congestion in major cities, posing the idea that cycling could be a very useful solution to this problem. How is the idea that cycling can be a solution to traffic congestion? If we think about the amount of space that privately owned cars take up on the road, we can fit about four or five people into the same amount of space. And if you've got 569,000 trips going out of the city of Sydney alone in a single working day, we can do quite a lot with that space if we think about how we could otherwise use it with bike. I assume then that what you're doing is you're looking at which types of people are currently driving cars that could be changed into cycling. Absolutely. It's not simply that we just want to get everyone on bikes. We, we want to have people from very different experiences of using the road, truck drivers, tradies, people whose livelihoods also depend on these roads. We're trying to think through solutions that can far more effectively use our roads which sort of groups have you already been talking to? Ah, well, we've had a wonderful response from cyclists. <laughs> and we're really excited to talk to truck drivers, bus drivers and tradies. Though we're finding that getting through to these communities uh, is um, more challenging, mainly because a lot of these people are travelling from the inner west of Sydney. It looks like I'm going to be going out and maybe sitting with a truck driver for 10 hours because they don't live anywhere near Sydney. They pass through it. Their working lives, you know, in some ways are more precarious. And it's like, okay, well, how can we get these people's voices in the room? We're trying to think about um, very large swathes of our community. And then once we're in the room, thinking, okay, well, who's not here? Another thing that we're doing is that we're turning what we might call an anthropological gaze or we're turning our interests onto policymakers because we want to decenter you know, our knowledge production processes and think about, okay, we've got all these people with very different knowledges of how we use our roads. We can also rely on their knowledge to help us find solutions, but then we can then also look at what are the kinds of decision-making processes that lead to major infrastructure decisions. Who is it that makes decisions and you know, what are the motivations for them? It might be that even if they're presented with certain solutions that work well, that doesn't necessarily sit with their vision for you know, the future of Sydney and also the kinds of voters or maybe, you know, I should just come out and say it, like you know, certain vested interests that do not want to see more cyclists but might be far more happy with making money by seeing cars on the road and having ongoing, um, I guess, investment in petrol one of the groups that seems to be surfacing as almost a target group is parents taking children to school, many of which is now happening in a car, whereas there's a lot of benefits if that group could be taken off the roads, as it were, and the school trips being done by other means. What are your comments on that? Yeah, I feel like that's an, an ideal starting point for thinking about how do we develop the kinds of cycling infrastructures that can allow for far safer journeys of families getting their kids to school. So we're actually doing work with the city of Sydney. A lot of their thinking is about, okay, well, if we can develop our infrastructure networks for cycling around schools and we can first develop pathways for families to safely get to schools, that can actually become the basis for an entire city network. It's kind of seen by a lot of experts in the field as the way forward and the best way to get impetus for developing the infrastructure we need for safer cities. 
Because the other thing that I guess would happen from that is if families are used to cycling to school and back again, which is, you know, twice a day, that then helps them to think about where else could we cycle. And it's also raising a generation that is not quite so car dependent as perhaps the last couple have been. Absolutely. And it's, it's quite startling when we think about the potential impacts of raising a generation that's very active as a part of their transport on a daily basis. If we were to look at it as in terms of an investment in per dollar value on these infrastructure projects, when you think about making it easy for people to be active as a part of their everyday, then expanding out across a lifetime and you then think across a population, the amount of relief on our health system is massive. And that actually far surpasses current investments we see across the state in terms of infrastructure spending. If you find yourself being active every day for 15 to 20 years as you grow up, that's going to lead to a very different kind of lifestyle across the rest of your life. In terms of both on a personal level and across the population, it's yeah, really impressive the benefits we can see from this kind of government spending. The two issues that I hear sort of surfacing in order to make this happen are access and safety. So that if you can actually ride to your school, then you're more likely to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Part of you know thinking about that is like, well, how can we then reuse our roads? How can we think differently about the ways in which we currently give parts of our roads to different parts of our community? If we can't have the most vulnerable members of our communities moving safely by bike, that, that's a problem. We're also talking about how, you know, we've all grown up with the idea that roads are for cars. And we're certainly struggling to have this conversation where roads then become partly for motorised vehicles and partly for other, other users or other means of transport. Conventionally, the way that you know, infrastructure solutions to these problems are seen is as having separated cycleways from cars because cars and cyclists, they generally don't go well together uh, in that you know, cyclists die. Yes, it is certainly um, thinking about having very different infrastructure systems. It's thinking about how can we differently use the infrastructure we have right now you said you were talking to policymakers. How is that approach going? Actually, so far, very good. People have been wonderfully generous with their time. And it's very interesting interviewing people um, who work at different levels of government and, and also in advocacy roles outside of it and seeing not only how decisions are made but how different government organisations and agencies work with one another. There's a huge amount of variance despite what ostensibly are meant to be the same policies in actually how they're implemented. Some governments, their policy speaks to active transport as a priority, but we, we don't see that investment. It's a great term, active transport, isn't it? That's lovely, yeah. It's quite nice. When we're looking at creating such a major shift to have a language that, that really gives it such a positive and will help to make that shift. It also gives a different image of how we might experience what could for some be the worst parts of their day, sitting in traffic for an hour each way. I've actually just transitioned to uh, cycling every day into work and it's completely transformed my lifestyle to the point now I'd be very upset if I was forced to get back on the bus. Not only does it help our community for us to not use cars, but actually that personal benefit is surprising. Even to someone who, myself, I've been quite active my whole life. The added benefit of cycling for an hour as a part of my transport is really substantial. 
And you sound like you were quite surprised that you found it so beneficial. Yeah, I was. It's funny. I was like a lot of people prior to getting a bike and riding into work was like, well, there's just all these barriers. I'll have to spend 20 or 30 minutes packing in the morning. I'll have to get changed when I get into work. I just can't see this happening. All I did was buy a secondhand bike off Gumtree, tried it one day and suddenly it halved the amount of time it takes me to get into work. And I'm just on a bike that I'm, I'm not too worried about being stolen. It's a 20-year-old steel frame from the 1980s. Suddenly, my days are quite wonderful because I get to careen down the back streets of the inner west of Sydney as the sun's coming up or as it's going down in the evening. And I um, get to see the day, really, and become sensitive to you know, just the weather in the way that I previously was not at all because I was you know, hemmed in on a bus. I was completely cut off from just what was going on around me. As a very different experience of the city. Nicholas Fogarty is a PhD candidate at the University of Sydney. You've been listening to Step Away from the Car, recorded at the 2019 Australian Walking and Cycling Conference by Suzanne Rees and Nikki Page, and produced at Radio Adelaide. Distributed across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This week's Yarra Bicycle User Group radio program should be podcast soon on 3cr.org.au forward slash podcast or go to yarrabug.org forward slash radio if you want to find additional details of what we discussed today. These podcasts are produced at Melbourne's activist radio station 3CR. Presenters are all volunteers and 3CR's existence depends upon the financial support of our listeners. Go to 3cr.org.au Click on the support tab and select either donate, subscribe, shop or fundraisers. Your subscription or donation keeps 3CR on air. Sunny skies over along the 3CR would like to thank our Yarrabug program sponsor, Vacro Second Chance Cycles, for their financial support. Second Chance Cycles is a fantastic community workshop that recycles bikes, trains people in bike mechanics, and sells bikes to the local community. To find out more, Google Vacro or drop into the underground car park. Harmsworth Street, Collingwood, any Thursday or Friday. Yeah, get on that bicycle and ride Neath the sunny skies or along the ocean side You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.